I'm Alexandra Joe, content manager at Parting Stone, and you are listening to the Death Care Decoded podcast. In this podcast, we explore trends in the death profession, uncovering valuable insights through conversations with industry thought leaders. Our mission is to bring forward thinking education to death care professionals. This week, I return to my conversation with Mel Bennett, creator and co-founder of Life Forest, to talk about equity in cemeteries and permanent placement options. We discuss various ways that burial has historically been inequitable, various situations that might warrant special care and consideration, and how to make sure that families choosing permanent placement receive the support that they need today and moving forward. You're jumping into a conversation with myself and Mel Bennett. I actually yesterday went down a little Google searching rabbit hole kind of about cemetery law in different states and and trying to like learn more about that. So because I think that's a topic I want to branch out on. I recently saw an article on the Talk Death blog about if you want to start your own family cemetery, here's what you should think about. And I was like, you know thinking about the Madrid Cemetery, which we talked about yesterday. I live in a tiny little mining town 30 minutes outside of Santa Fe called Madrid, New Mexico. And I can't disclose the location because the town keeps it very private, but there is a little local community cemetery here that is non-commercial. All of the headstones are handmade by local artists and craftsmen. They're it's like cut and carved metal. There's one that's made out of a sewing machine. There's a lot of like shrine type energy there so locals people that knew the people that have passed away come and leave little gifts um there's a it's so cool it's on top of a mesa there's views of the mountains all around there's a stage in the cemetery because one person who passed away a few years ago was a local musician and wanted to make a, a place where other people could come play music and um it's just super cool so i i really got very interested in like cemetery law like what goes into making a legal cemetery could you do a family cemetery for a town like that and you know these subjects of equity in burial the history of cemeteries and equity in in those especially in the united states with our history of like the antebellum south the civil war slavery things like that the lbgtqia plus population even like catholicism versus protestantism all of these things have come up in non-equitable burial history which was really really surprising to me because it's just even being in the death care profession for a couple of years it's something i'd never thought about it is um it is very eye opening being involved in the a cemetery and really learning the history and and also the now developed expectations that family have around burial and the amount of people who ask us permission to do things that in my mind is so obvious that they shouldn't have to ask kind of Mm -hmm. goes to show that um, the history amongst burial is, has been quite discriminatory and you know we we can we can change that we can shift it and i think the way that you do that is by really at least examining closely what you are presenting to the public for us it would be as what life forest is presenting and how can we make sure that we are protecting people and their rights to space as well as 
their rights to gender identity and recording with the appropriate gender identity, making sure that the legal documents are also inclusive in the way in which they're stated. It's a challenge because what you're handed in these forms that are coming out of cemetery lawyers or uh, other cemeteries, perhaps, internment rights, aren't always crafted that way. So you have to have uh, open eyes as you approach it and really evaluate it. So we did a, a small kind of campaign around death does not discriminate and neither should a cemetery. And mm. part of it was people just wanting to be buried with their pets. So people considering pets as family, that's a very simple thing. But pets were decided at one point, it's not respectful to be buried with your pets. Um, so weird. It, it, I, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily understand it, but that doesn't, doesn't mean anything as far as whether or not we have a family that shows up with a child that had a service mm -hmm. animal and they want that child to be buried with that service animal. And the mm -hmm. fact that they feel like they have to ask permission for that is, is heartbreaking. Yeah, just, it is. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. It's it's weird that someone would be like, that's not dignified or like that's not proper or sanitary or something. That's bizarre to me. As someone who has two cats that are my children, yeah. I just, I don't understand why that would be an issue, especially in a situation like you just described. I mean. So I think that as cemeteries become, uh, they're, in the history of what I understand, and, I, and I, I don't want to claim to be an expert, but I have taken a lot, of, a lot of focus on learning about the history, about burial, about the importance of burial, and about kind of how it was done. Because I think like we were talking about before, there's a reason that traditional burial has played a role in ancestry and tracing ancestry. And mm -hmm. we spoke about in, if you're driving around these New England towns, oftentimes you see a graveyard where there's an older church and then there's graves in the yard. And we did look closely at that and say, well, what was the purpose of the church and the graveyard? And as graveyards move to municipal setups and the place of gathering for people, no longer became part of that equation, we learned that perhaps the community support aspect also was being lost within a burial environment. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of worked to try to reincorporate that, but within a lot less boundaries of a, maybe a religious organization, perhaps. But we also have a lot of people who maybe want to be buried with their best friend. And there is this conception that you have to be buried with a relative or someone that you're married to. And as you well know, it just became legal to be married to a same-sex partner. And right. so, and this is not, this is very recent history. Yes. Very recent. So. What was it? 2014? Yeah, I think when that actually passed I think in the Supreme Court. I have the um the People magazine cover still that says love mm -hmm, wins. Mm -hmm. um, and 
I remember I was in graduate school, so really? it was somewhere around 2013, 2014. Yeah, that's how it Because right. it was, we all like celebrated together, you know? I remember waking yeah. up that day when I had learned of it. Um, I had two young daughters and I thought, wow, they're going to grow up in a whole different way than I grew up. And they're going to have this opportunity to feel safe around marrying whoever they love. And this is a, an amazing thing. And I, I was up early to see the sunrise on, on that day. And I thought, this is, mm. this is a, this is beautiful. This is a new, a new world we're entering in. Um, but it takes a while for, for things to catch up. And the history of burial in cemeteries, it hasn't caught up completely. I mean, there's work to do. Mm -hmm. And in an Im immense amount of work, frankly, and so when you talk about a burial place and at Life Forest, we have a code of conduct that is echoed around morality, equity, inclusion. And so when you focus on those things, you say to yourself, how can we, how can we make sure that we're doing the things that we have as core values? And one of those things is equity and memorialization. So as we were kind of approaching our, our design and how burials were to take place and it's cremation with a tree, we also have a need and people really wanted some sort of memorialization at the base of their tree. And so mm -hmm. we chose to use little two inch QR codes so when people scan those codes, they can learn all sorts of information about the person or the pet that is buried there, and they have control over how that person is memorialized. And the reason that that was so important to us is the equity that is involved in that approach. And when I was younger, we would go to these cemeteries and we would see these huge angels and you'd think, wow, that's, that's incredible. That person must have loved that person so much. And then you look next to it and you see this small, you know, tiny stone. And then you read it and you see that it's like somebody's child. And you think, well, wait a minute. Did this person love this child less because they couldn't afford this grand angel? Right. Absolutely not. No, no, of right. course yeah. not. And the outward message that that sends is that if you have the means to purchase a giant memorial, the outward message is that there's more love. And, and that's just ridiculous, frankly. So I, mm -hmm. I was very proud about the approach and having a two inch square that doesn't take a lot of unnecessary space in a natural environment, but also that mm -hmm. it costs nothing. I mean, it's very little to create. There's free QR code generators online and we already had a website so we can provide equal memorialization to everybody. So when you're walking amongst Life Forest, there's not one thing that stands out. There's not one thing that says, wow, this person must have spent a lot of money. That's not, that is not the message that should be said and, and broadcast within a cemetery. So yeah, I think there's work to be done.
I couldn't agree more. And I love this idea of not only making it equitable for people from all walks of life to be laid to rest with who they loved and who they choose, but also monetarily making it economically equitable as well, because that's a huge issue I've run into personally in the past with planning memorials is being made to feel either by society, community, other family members, whatever, that, you know, if you don't spend this much on this giant funeral for this person, then that means that you didn't, well, you clearly didn't care about them that much. And, you know, that's, it's so not the case. And that's, it's different for every person and it's different what every person is able to do. And that goes for things like headstones, plots, you know, urns, all these different things as well when it comes to final resting places. And I really love that Life Forest thinks about that and just has incorporated that equity into your model. You know, it's it's just, that's what you get. Yeah, it's just, it's so welcoming and so inclusive. And and that's really beautiful. And I hope that that's where our world is heading towards in, in all arenas, you know? I like to think so. Uh, the, other, the other thing that I felt and our team at Life Forest felt was very important was an all-inclusive cost structure. So mm-hmm. when I was in the experience of being a family member that lost someone, I had approached uh, the burial facility, the, the funeral home, and there was this menu item of choices. And the problem was, is that you kind of needed everything on the menu to serve the mm-hmm. dish, but it was it was difficult and misleading to understand in my mind what was necessary, what wasn't necessary, and why would those costs be extrapolated if you actually needed them to create the final product? So mm-hmm. in that train of thought, we said, well, this is what we're going to do. We are going to make sure that everything is included. So the burial hole is included. The you can, you're, you're paying for a burial space and it's cremains. These are, they're small. So why not just allow people to bury as many cremains as they want? Why charge somebody? Mm -hmm. The hole is there. Why say, well, Oh, be an extra $500 for each one. Or God forbid, thousands of dollars for each right. little box of cremains. The other thing is making sure that every we offer a burial basket. So people don't, they can have an urn. Urns are beautiful. If they want to have an urn, that's fine. We'll we'll work with them to and work with the funeral director. But if they didn't want to spend the money on an urn, we have a beautiful fair trade burial basket that will put in the ground and we include it. We include the memorial marker. We include the tree. And that is like, as they walk around the, our affiliated nursery, they can choose whatever tree they want. They don't have to be there like worried and looking at the, the gentleman at the nursery like, well, how much is this tree? This tree is, is $150 and this one is $500. Ooh, I really like this other tree, but I'm feeling pressure around that because I've already spent so much money around the death of my loved one. So we just take all that away. It's like, pick whatever tree you want. Don't worry about the cost. 
everything is there. It's all in your one price. And then also, although we do have two different tree size offerings at this point, they're only so that if if a family wants to buy a tree that grows bigger than the initial burial plot size allows, that they have that mm -hmm. opportunity. Um, we're actually thinking of kind of working a different way around that. But because I don't want people to think, boy, if I buy the smallest tree burial plot, I get a different level of service than the big tree. You still can bury as many cremains as you want. You still get the burial basket. You get the memorialization. It is not necessary to buy the bigger tree. Mm -hmm. So, um, so these are all things that we're kind of making sure that people understand. The other thing is there should be never any pressure sales. There's never, there's never a moment where we would have somebody want to view the land and then walk along with like a clipboard and a pen. Like the idea is that these people need to find healing. They need to connect to the space and they need to want their loved ones there. And if you are walking around with a pen and a contract, that does not evoke a peaceful feeling. It doesn't. It's stressful. If people want to be there, they'll tell you. They'll let you know. And if it's not right for them, that's that's okay. Burial is a Absolutely. very personal thing. And no one should ever feel coerced or pressured or nagged into choosing something for their loved one. It's just not moral to approach it that way. So it makes for a really nice experience, both for the Life Forest team to never have to feel like they're going to worry about whether or not they need to secure something when a person visits, because that's what it's about. It's about mm -hmm. allowing for our team members to be the compassionate ear, the guiding person to answer questions around conservation or land or how it works. And then people leave. If they want more information, they take more information. If they feel it's right for them, then they can choose a plot. And if not, they, mm -hmm. oftentimes we tell people, why don't you think about it? It's cremains. It's not like you have to choose right now. Like, right. You can think about this and talk to your loved ones, talk to other family members, give them the opportunity to be part of this, to view the space themselves. And then when they're ready, they'll decide and we'll be here for you. It's a cemetery. We're here for eternity. And I guarantee you from a consumer standpoint, that actually gets you more people to choose what you're offering than pushy sales tactics. Oh. Because for me, if I like catch a whiff, you know, of someone like trying to force me to buy something, I'm like, meh, never, never mind. Even if I would have bought it on my own, like I'm just that stubborn. So, <laughs> and you're also, you know, it's I, like you're also from a generation that doesn't feel like they have to be forced into a death care choice. Right. Right. That's true. I was looking at statistics on that today and how millennials are the first generation that we have statistics on 
that we've seen this huge increase in people under 30 planning their funerals already. Wow. And between lack of health care, between 9-11, between, you know, pandemics and things like that. And also we're more comfortable talking about death because of like the death positivity movement. Yeah. We grew up seeing, you know, the AIDS epidemic. Many of us are, feel safer to come out as queer folks. And, you know, death and disenfranchised grief are a part of that, you know, history. And there are all these different reasons why this generation is more comfortable than the ones preceding us talking about mortality, planning funerals. And um, so there's like this, you know, this crazy generational difference in not feeling pressured. Like, no, I don't have to buy that that coffin because maybe I want aquamation or maybe I want natural organic reduction or maybe I want parting stones or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. We are not afraid to think about that beforehand. You brought up something that triggers... uh an experience that we have at Life Forest quite a bit around generational behaviors and choices around death. And it's an, a, a very upsetting one, actually, because mm. here we have, and I think it's not isolated to our area, we have a, an epidemic where death by suicide, by mm. addiction disease, and people are losing their lives that are, are young and that it's, it's yes. too soon. And what they're leaving behind through these, through these diseases of mental illness and addiction is young children, siblings in their thirties and parents in their early, late fifties, early sixties. And mm-hmm. so when a family comes and we have a very high percentage of burials people that have passed too soon. And Mm -hmm. what we see is we see a parent and they're devastated. I mean, devastated who has a child. Now they have grandchildren who they may need to take a part in raising, but also their approach is they have seen this, this illness really unfold. They have tried to support their loved one through it in the best ways that they can. Obviously, they can't fix this. Um, Once the person passes away, they have found support in places like Al-Anon. And places like that have this really spiritual aspect. So many of these people have found peace through their religious communities and support through their religious communities. But then they come to us and I think, well, why, you know, why didn't you go to your burial ground through your religious facility? And for whatever reason, through the history of it, I don't know. I can't answer that. But they feel shame around the way that the person has passed. So you have this Mm -hmm. early 60-year-old adult who feels shame I mean, God forbid, feel shame after all of that they've been through around the fact that their child, who was a young adult in their 30s, passed away from addiction disease. And then they have a, this person will have a 30 something year old sibling who has a better understanding that there shouldn't be shame around it, but at the same time is trying to support their parent after just losing a sibling. Mm-hmm. And then you have the child who doesn't know what's going on, has just lost a parent. And we want to make sure that life forest presents an environment that doesn't 
show any sort of fear. It's not scary. They can engage in nature and outdoor activities. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. all of these things are, are the, t the times that we're dealing with. You're not dealing with one generation of, of death care approach. You're dealing mm -hmm. with all generations simultaneously because of the age of the people that we're losing. So absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a difficult, difficult time right now in, in the world of those kinds. Of it is absolutely. And a couple of things come up for me with that. You know, I uh, last year did a really heavily researched project on death rates in America in order to better understand the impact of excess death from the COVID-19 pandemic Ooh. and looking ahead in death care to see, you know, are the baby boomers all dying off right now that we were expecting to die in 10 years? And what's that going to look like for us? You know, things like that. And what I ended up finding is a lot of research, evidence, clear facts that state middle-aged Americans are dying in extremely elevated numbers for the past 10 years. And it is directly related to the opioid crisis, mm -hmm. uh, lack of mental health support and stigma around seeking mental health support, lack of accessible, affordable health care. All of these things, much less the pandemic, lack of living wage paying jobs, the rent crisis in America right now, the fact that no city in America offers a two bedroom apartment that a single parent working 40 hours a week can afford. Yeah, this is a true statistic. And, you know, all of those things combined for that middle aged generation. Yeah, like death rates are skyrocketing and we don't have the social infrastructure to support our population and healthy, productive lives that are meaningful. And, you know, it's it's really heartbreaking, especially coupled with now the pandemic. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we are seeing these multiple generational grief experiences, children, siblings, parents, you know. It's not just the the elder generation where the children and, and grandchildren grieve, right? I mean, that uh, clearly that still happens, but that's not just the typical right. anymore, I don't think. And, you know, that makes me think of my own personal experience of having my mother pass away in her 40s due to a very stigmatized form of passing, suicide. You know, I was raised in Alabama and for better or worse, it's a very conservative, very Southern Baptist community. And suicide is very clearly like shamed and stigmatized. And it's just really amazing to hear that these are issues of equity, inclusion, acceptance, support for the whole community. Um, it's really amazing to hear that those are things that Life Forest is actively thinking about and actively cultivating in your business model. That's just really, it's, it touches a special place in me because of my personal experience and because of the research I'm doing in this space right now. Um, and I just commend you. I, yeah, don't really have anything else to say other than just, I commend you and, and think that it's really important work you're doing. So. It's super unfair that first of all, for you to lose a parent when you're just entering into your own adulthood, but then to not have had the education and open death care conversations that we know now, 
So not only did you mm -hmm. grow up in this kind of closed environment when it came to mental illness and death, but now you lose somebody who's imperative in your, in your life. And then you have to meander those emotions yourself. Like it's, and so the way that we are trying to approach this in a way that considers what's going on in the world today and approaching it in the most thoughtful way is we have started working with the state representative that is in charge of all of the programs around substance abuse, mental, um, mental health and suicide, as well as the alcohol related infrastructure. So she has kind of told mm -hmm. us, this is what our families are looking for. This is what they need. So we can be there to best support them. But, you know, as we, what we're seeing is because the population of people that are burying there are engaging in the activities and the, the community events that we hold, they're forming mm -hmm. their own support groups through like experiences and they're meeting the people on the life forest land. And and on that note, that is that is the importance of a death care world and environment supporting the children. Mm -hmm. And so that is our our charitable mission is children. And we started with this kind of approach like okay, well, we will just pair with a, a children's burial assistance and actually they're from your area. And or that you grew up in, we'll we'll pair with mm -hmm. them. We'll make sure that people have the access to always have a a free burial at Life Forest if they lose a child. And that felt like okay, we're doing the right thing. And as things progressed, and we're watching the families that are being buried there, it became very evident that we were missing a huge population of children that are left behind, and. That is why we paired with Riverbend. It's a mental health facility here in New Hampshire that deals with child impact around death. Mm -hmm. We have a amazing team head up by Amanda Goodall, who worked with other child counselors to write a book and, and a workbook around death geared to that young age group that they could understand. And mm -hmm. the hope is that by educating these children and the adults in their lives with resources at the end, that they can understand the emotions a little bit better through the eyes of the nervous rabbit or the depression they may feel and the heavy weight of a moose or mm -hmm. the anger of the beaver and we're going to break sticks. We're breaking sticks. And they can work through all these in a way that's just kind of at a relation level that they can understand. Maybe, just maybe, their children will not be in the same position. Maybe, just maybe, they're going to grow up in a death-positive environment with the right support and education without the shame that their parent passed of a stigma-related death. Mm -hmm. And then they too can be there now for their children and for their parents. Maybe, just maybe, if we all actively take a role 
in education and death positivity, maybe we can avoid this happening again in 25 years. Absolutely. So getting that written was a big part of, we we have just, because we're, Hellai Forest is funding the project and we want to be able to make sure we can give it out to as many children as possible. So we're going to create a downloadable PDF that, and we'll also, it'll be published, you know, on, on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and that kind of thing. There's no margin to make any, there's not any profit base on this. So we've just applied applied for a grant through the Order of the Good Death, who's it's Caitlin. Yes. Caitlin Death yes, Association. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you did. Yeah, yes. I don't know what's gonna happen with it, but it's it's wonderful that these things are there for these Absolutely. types of projects. So mm-hmm. no matter what, we will have something in our hands the day that those little children show up to bury their parent, they're not gonna walk away empty handed. They're going to have this workbook and they're going to have the parents are going to have a resource at the end to refer to. And we're going to try to help educate the parent as well. It's okay if your child is not emotional reacting to this. They they may just not understand it. It may not be mm-hmm. real to them yet. Like, don't mm-hmm. be angry at your child because they're not showing emotion around this. Like, so right. I think... Death care in itself is is shifting, and it's due to the work of people like Lee Webster and the Green Burial Council. And there's all of these people like Justin, like Parting Stone, who are mm-hmm. making more affordable and accessible healing methods for people mm-hmm. to have. So because there's all these options out there, and people like you educating others with a podcast and knowing how to run these fancy recording equipment. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't do it. Um, All of this stuff is making a difference. Right. And, and I'm glad that life forest is part of it. And it's a very small part, but it's there, you know? Well, yeah. Don't, don't underestimate the power of, you know, small pieces and big pictures yeah. because I think you're doing great work. Thank you. So yeah, actually the, the only thing I think I might want to go back and circle back to is just talking about the legacy of cemeteries and tracing genealogy mm-hmm. and the, the role that equity in marking and the QR codes plays in that. And so one thing I really, really love about your QR code method at life forest is that it's providing documentation of the person who chose cremation, because something I had never really thought about before until our first conversation is that when you choose to scatter cremains, there's no permanent marker usually of that person. And so generations later, if someone's trying to go, you know, visit sites, trace their, their genealogy, trace their lineage, they're not going to have a place to go for that person. And by, creating this equitable way to document who is laid to rest at Life Forest, you're also allowing future generations to have special sites to visit and have clear ways to see profiles of and information about their loved ones and families and friends. And this is also a racial equity issue 
in the history of the American South slavery. Um, it just doesn't afford every single person that privilege of being able to trace their lineage back in these special sites and see these markers of this was my person, this was their name, this is our family name, these are the dates. And those QR codes are offering that for families that choose cremation now, which is a super cool idea. And just, yeah, kind of comes full circle to making everything nice and equitable. I love that. I love that so much. So and and I think that the, the QR codes are lovely. And, and they definitely help to preserve, in, in essence, some space. But the the most important thing, that burial, it's, it's, it's less about the QR code and the legacy page and more about the mm -hmm. deed recorded burial. Yes. So yeah, just making sure that the operation that you're working with, the final resting place that you're choosing is going to document on the deed of their property where your loved one is via latitude, longitude coordinates or you know, offset mm -hmm. points from different survey markers. And then also the vital statistics of that person. They need to be mm. buried in either a municipal cemetery, a religious cemetery, or a legal cemetery in order for the state to record mm -hmm. it as their final place of internment. Mm -hmm. So, um, the QR codes are really cool and they're great. And when you're on the land and they're a really nice marker to be able to kind of walk up to and know that somebody's beneath there that you mm -hmm. may know or want to visit. But in 200 years from now, we can't mm -hmm. say those QR codes are going to work. But what we can say is that the land deed will always follow the land. And if you are deeding, indeed recording where somebody is buried that will always follow the land and then future generations will have that legal point of reference so that's 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 the important part of the the burial process for legacy protection is the deed recording mm -hmm. and and it was a mm -hmm. difficult avenue to figure out and you know, I, I love that things like cremation have offered people the opportunity for multiple forms of memorialization. I love that mm -hmm. they could, can be cremated, create these beautiful parting stones, have something to hold, have some, so, you know, and, and points of place and where people have been are, it is really kind of wonderful to say, boy, my mom mm -hmm. loved the ocean. I want to be able to you know, memorialize a little bit of her in the ocean. And I want to have this stone to, to keep with me and keep for me to have comfort. Mm -hmm. But I also want to make sure that there's some burial records for future generations. And cremation allows for us to have all of those things. It doesn't have to be mm -hmm. just one. And so, you know, I hope at some point, uh, we receive a, a, a stone to bury. That would be a parting stone. I would love that, you know? That would be so cool. And we could, you know, it would, yeah. it would just be, it would be lovely to merge these types of memorializations and educate people in the fact that they don't have to pick just one. 
It's not, this isn't a limited world anymore. There are a lot of options and you don't have to let those options overwhelm you. You can just choose the ones that fit and you can choose many. And I, I think that's, that is a gift, you know, despite what people kind of their thoughts around flame cremation and offset and, you know, aquamation maybe changes that, but there are beautiful, beautiful things in, in cremation mm -hmm. world and it, and a lot of flexibility around it. So that's a gift that we have. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I love that. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much for talking with me two times in one week. I know it's like a lot of your time, so I really, really appreciate it. I enjoy it very much. I enjoy learning from other companies who are doing things in a, in a beautiful way to service their families. And I'm learning from you as well. So thank you for giving me this opportunity. This production is brought to you by Parting Stone, who wants to remind you that when your families choose cremation, they don't have to receive cremated remains.